my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Howdy, hey, and hello there. Welcome to another episode of Weird Finance, a show where we try to help you feel a little less weird about money, one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Paco DeLeon, and joining me for this week's conversation is the internet's rich BFF, Vivian Tu. The internet is a beautiful and wild place. We might even take for granted how much it's changed our lives. In my lifetime alone, I've gone from referencing encyclopedias to having access to the entirety of human history from a tiny computer that I carry around with me everywhere. But in the wise words of Stanley, with great power comes great responsibility. Actually, I think it was Peter Parker that said that, or maybe it was Voltaire. But you see, the point I'm trying to make here is that it can be hard to sort fact from fiction online. That's one reason why former stockbroker Vivian Tu took to social media creating videos to help combat the sea of bad financial advice that we all seem to be swimming in. And through this process of making the internet a safer place for financial advice, the internet being the wonderful disaster that it is, changed Vivian's life. Please enjoy my conversation with everyone's rich BFF, Vivian Tu.
Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about money, Viv. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So I got to ask, how did you become the Internet's rich BFF? Tell us all about it. (laughs) I wish I had this amazing story for you, but it was very much a happy accident. I started my career on Wall Street and ended up leaving for the greener pastures of tech and media. And when I got there, all of my new colleagues were like, you're going to rebalance my 401k. You're going to help me pick the right health insurance. And I laughed because they were all so very different. There were people who were in their early 20s. There were people who were married with kids who lived in the suburbs. And they were all asking the same questions. So I said, you guys, too many of you are asking. I'm just going to create some content and put it on the internet. And then you can refer to video 17 when you have a question. And little did I know, more than just my seven coworkers needed this information. And I created my very first video on January 1st of 2021. And it went viral. And about a week later, I had 100,000 followers and a little bit of an oh no moment. Like, how am I going to create enough content to keep up with the demand? Wow. So you've been on a rocket ship is what it sounds like. Yeah, a little bit. Has it been what you thought it would be like? I mean, I guess since it was a happy accident, maybe you never imagined what it would be like to get on the rocket ship. But but tell me what the journey has been like emotionally, financially, all of the above. Yeah, it's definitely not what I had envisioned or anticipated for my life or my career. That said, I feel really, really fortunate to be able to do what I do. I get to partner with incredible brands like City, and these are household names. And by working with them and creating content, I'm able to provide financial education for free for regular people and help people. And uh, I do feel really lucky that that's what I call my day job. In terms of actually creating content, I'm not going to lie, before I became a creator myself, I always thought like, oh, so easy. What an easy job. And now that I actually create content, I'm always thinking, oh, what's the next idea? What's the next thing? Like, when am I going to shoot? When am I going to edit? When am I going to, you know, post? And it is so much more work than I thought. For me to create a 60-second video, it doesn't take me 60 seconds. It can take hours. I'm glad you said that because I've shot videos that are 60 seconds long and there's reshooting involved. Yeah. There's fumbling on the app. And I was like, well, I guess I'm just a dumbass. But what you're saying is <laughs> even the pros uh, have to put in a lot of time to make a one minute video. Yeah. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about your Wall Street days. I'm very intrigued. I want to know, first of all, can we educate the audience and explain exactly what does a Wall Street trader do? What, what was your day looking like when you were working on Wall Street? Yeah. So this is such a lame thing to say, but Wall Street traders, what they do is really just provide liquidity. So when you want to buy 100 shares of a stock, you can go onto a brokerage and do that. But when hedge funds want to buy or sell, they're probably trying to transact in millions or tens of millions of shares and dollars. And you can't just log into an app and do that. And the Wall Street traders are the ones executing those trades on their behalf or trading with them, taking the other side of that trade. So my old boss used to say, we are in the moving, not the storage business. So we are just essentially trying to get in and out of positions as quickly as possible for our clients. And my average day, I would wake up around five. I would need to be in my seat at 
5.45-ish, which is quite early. And then I would be reading the news, putting together any sort of like quick one-pagers for clients or sharing them with my managers. And then I would say around 7.30, I would go grab breakfast. I'm very much a ham and cheese omelet kind of gal. And then, um, you know, 9.30 when the stock market would open, uh, it was very, very busy. And then throughout the day from 9.30 to 4, you would be trading and that you would be essentially tied to your seat for the full day. And then after 4 p.m., we would do any sort of like recaps or wrap-up reports, sharing news with clients, and just going over the day's P&L. But what was awesome about it is every single day was different. You were trading different stocks. You were working for different clients. So there was always something fun and exciting happening. I can't get this vision out of my head, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm imagining you like on the floor and you're like, by myself, <laughs> picking up the phone. There's six screens in front of you. Was that how it was or am I deluding myself? So the six screens is true. I had an H shape. So it was like two screens up and down on the left and right. And then, so that's four screens and then two in the middle, like next to each other. But people imagine people yelling and screaming with like paper tickets in their hands on the New York Stock Exchange floor. And that's just not how that works anymore. Everything is very digital. I was sitting at a open floor plan desk next to other people who were also trading. And there is yelling certainly in moments of tension and high stress, but people aren't just yelling all day. So it's not a job to get if you're just like looking for a place to displace your your emotions, no. which is what you're saying. <laughs> I hear that. I think it's really fascinating that you were in a male-dominated industry. I think it's fascinating that that's still a thing not that many years ago. And I wanted to ask you, what was your experience being one of the only women on the team? Yeah, I think I was very fortunate because my manager and my mentor were was a Asian woman. So I very much could see myself in her. I could essentially like look into my time machine and say, if I have an amazing career and I do this, I will end up like that. I think it's really hard because these big financial industries are making a push to hire diverse talent, but it's going to take some time, right? Like this push to hire this diverse talent means that the folks higher up are still pretty homogenous and there are often many, many white men in these seats. So if you are a young white man coming into the industry, you have so many people who could be your mentor. Whereas if you are a, a, you know, a person of color or a woman or part of the LGBTQ community, there's certainly fewer people who look like you. And that's not to say you can't have a mentor who doesn't identify the way you identify, but it definitely, it does introduce challenges that they just may not necessarily have encountered in their own careers. So I think a lot of places are doing a better job to hire diverse talent, but we need to put a focus on retaining that diverse talent as well. All right. So when I'm hearing you talk about diversity and I'm hearing you talk about how the higher ups are, you know, homogenous, I've been there. I was the only woman on a, a, you know, on a financial planning team and the only queer person in the whole office, the only brown person not in an admin role. So I very much understand what that's like. And when I was in that situation, I felt like all these things were working against me, right? Being a woman in a man's world, a queer person in straights, 
person's world. But then when I broke out and started being like the person who's more media facing, right? The person writing the book, the person making the videos, it suddenly became a superpower, right? All these people were like, oh, you, we want to hear from you. And I'm wondering if that experience has been something that you've felt as you've transitioned from traditional Wall Street to more media face work. 100%. I always say I am not succeeding in spite of the fact that I am a young Asian woman. I succeed because of it. For so long, this industry has largely only catered to one identity. You had to be old, rich, and oftentimes white to be successful or to be considered good with your money. And now suddenly you have someone who doesn't look like your dad's financial advisor, who doesn't look like, you know, the suits walking around in Midtown. You have someone who looks like and dresses like and talks like they could very literally be anybody's best friend from college. I look like the girl that you go to brunch with. And I think that's disarming. It makes people want to engage because they feel like we are equals. We are on the same level. They don't have to pretend to be someone that they're not with me. I love that. You're flipping the script and the thing that was being sold before, this fear, the the language and jargon, somehow I, it, that was very much being sold, I think, to scare people into products or to scare people into making them feel like you have to hire me because I know there's like a whole army of us out there now really flipping the script. And, uh, you know, I just want to thank you for your community service. Viv. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I have to ask, what is the most important lesson you learned while working on Wall Street as a trader? You know, this isn't one that most people would think of, but it's it's a simple one. It's one that we learned in kindergarten. It's to treat people the way you want to be treated. I had a, my manager's manager when I first started, he was this very loud, like traditional, like Italian New Yorker. He would talk with his hands. He like, everybody loved this guy. And he told me one day, he said, Viv, you always got to buy him the chicken parms. And I'm like, sir, I am lactose intolerant. What are you talking about? And he meant that when people do nice things for you, you know, he would sometimes buy them chicken parm for lunch. And he would treat everyone from the janitor the watery delivery person, the, the IT guy, all the way up to the head of the desk with kindness and respect. And that's why people would bend over backwards for him. When he was having an issue, he would be the first one to get it solved because people would run to help him because he was kind and people liked him. So maybe not necessarily even like a financial lesson, but just this in any sort of workplace setting or even just in your regular life, like treat people with dignity and respect and they will treat you the same. I love that. It, it makes me think about how, you know, you're you're in the business of being on social media and, and those numbers are a currency, right? You have yeah. a certain cultural currency, you have a certain social currency. But what I'm hearing from you is one of the most important things in in the world is actually understanding that kindness can itself be currency. I'd never really yeah. thought about it like that. So thanks for, for that frame. All right. So I read your story. I know that you are like me. You're a child mm -hmm. of immigrants. And I'm curious. I really want to know if you've experienced this. But when I first started working for myself, for like the first six months, I would get a random text from my sweet, adorable, caring <laughs> mom. And it would be something along the lines of, how is the job hunt going? And I would have to text my mom back and be like, mom, 
I love you. Thank you for caring about my safety, my security, my future. But I have clients. I'm, I'm working for myself. And it wasn't until I was like finally on Good Morning America that my mom was like, okay, it's real. And you went from like a serious job to, I'm not saying your job isn't serious, but you know, for the generation above us, especially immigrant parents, how has this been received by your family? Yeah. So when I left Wall Street and moved into tech, my parents and I got into such a blow up fight. We didn't talk for like three months, honestly. It was like crazy. They had essentially thought like, we helped you go to the University of Chicago. We spent all this money on your education. You come out, you get this dream job. And now you're what throwing the dream away. And we fought a lot. And it wasn't until they saw me have career success in the tech and media space, make a lot of money, have work-life balance, feel really happy and like have that success that they were like, oh, we get it now. So this go around, um, they were actually really supportive. But I will say I didn't share with them all that was going on with Your Rich BFF until I was eight months in because I did not want them to kill my idea in its infancy. And I wanted to get it to like almost like a critical mass point so that they couldn't do that. I love that. I appreciate you being so honest about that struggle. Thank you. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. 
Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. So I don't think it's normal for most people to feel comfortable talking about money, especially personal finances, and especially in a public way that you do. I'm curious, where does your ease with talking about money come from? And does it come from your parents? Or how did you get there? Yeah, I will say culturally, I'm very lucky. My family is Chinese. And in Chinese culture, everyone... (laughs) All the aunties and uncles are like very nosy. So they always want to know, oh, what did this flat screen TV cost? Like, what's your house cost? So I think there was a level of ease that I had growing up that I think a lot of people don't just because it was culturally ingrained. But my parents were also uh, very adamant savers. And they, you know, were also ones that encouraged me to try and practice frugality early on. They were also the ones who taught me that researching the financial products I choose is really important. So for example, when choosing a credit card to sign up for, I always start with research. And one thing I look for is a card that's going to benefit me the most based on my spending habits as, you know, that's going to maximize my rewards. And right now I'm working with Citi and the Citi double cash card is amazing. It's a perfect fit for my lifestyle because I don't need to track categories or my spending. So whether I'm buying furniture or makeup or a teleprompter to create content, I don't need to be tracking what does this fall under. I just know that I'm earning cash back on it. Love that. Love that. So one of the things I think has been really fascinating learning about you and learning about your story is something that I think I also came across. And it's it's this idea, this ironic truth that in the world of finance, just because somebody's worked in finance and just because they have a high paying job, that doesn't necessarily mean that they actually have good personal finance habits. So I want to know your experience with piecing that whole picture together. And I also want to know why do you think that's the case? Very simply put, because we're human in theory, right? Once you understand the basic principles, you understand how to be good with your money. It's quite simple. But we don't exist in a vacuum. Finance money does not exist in a vacuum. It's very easy to build a budget. It's harder to stick to one when your friend is calling you saying, hey, all of us are going to brunch. Are you going to be a square and stay at home? Or are you going to come with us? Even if that brunch may not necessarily fit into your budget, you're going to feel kind of compelled to go. And people who work on Wall Street are no different. Like they also have rent to pay. They have friends they want to hang out with. They have activities they want to do. They have vacations they want to go on. They have goals and dreams and money needs. And so I think when we talk about finance and say, oh, you should just tighten the belt and pull yourself up from your bootstraps, that's unrealistic because 
we are still regular people living in now 2023 and we need to think about our money holistically because this is not some crash diet that you can just be good at once and be done. This is a true mindset shift to know that your relationship with money is an ongoing thing. I have to ask because you left that little breadcrumb as an example. Do you have good advice for when your friends are saying, don't be a square, come out to brunch? (laughs) How would you navigate that? Yeah, I get this question a lot because I have a lot of young BFFs. And I think honesty is the best policy and offering an alternative. Your friends invite you guys, you go out to a brunch and you know that the brunch is going to be somewhere between $50 to $75 per person. You can suggest an alternative and say, I would love to go to brunch. However, it's not in my budget right now. However, I would love to have everybody over and each person brings one brunch dish. One person will bring the bacon. One person will bring the French toast. One person will bring, you know, the pancakes. One person will bring eggs. I know eggs are expensive right now. But, you know, (laughs) I think it's easy to offer up an alternative that is, one, much more low cost and within your budget. And that alternative shows your friends that it's not that you don't want to hang out with them. It's that you truly want to stay within your financial comfort zone and true friends are going to respect that. Love it. And again, because you're so comfortable talking about money, clearly I love talking about money and not everybody is there yet. Do you have any advice for anyone who's who's struggling, who's trying to cross that divide of, I don't talk about money with anyone and now I just want to casually drop, hey, that's not in my budget. What? How can they make those steps towards progress? Definitely. I think you got to ease into it. It's not something where you can wake up one day and, and like ask your friend, like, what is your net worth? Like that's, that's not a, a great idea, but you can ask things that lead to that. Certainly. Maybe it starts with questions like, how much money do you think you would need to quit your job and walk away from it all? That gives you an understanding of their values. That gives you an understanding of what they consider to be their walk away number, their FU number. It gives you a lot of things about their financial picture. And then you can introduce more questions like, hey, I am trying to negotiate a raise. Like, this is what I currently make. You offer up your vulnerability first. Would you be willing to share what you make? You've now offered something and they can come back to you. And then, you know, you can ease into kind of like phase three, which is what is your net worth? Tell me. (laughs) Show me your spreadsheet. Show me your spreadsheet. Yeah. Amazing. So I know that one of the big reasons why you started posting videos in addition to wanting to educate your colleagues was because you started seeing a lot of super sketchy financial Mm -hmm. advice going around, especially during the pandemic. And you wanted to combat that. And I want to help our listeners out. I want you to give us some examples of some of the worst pieces of financial advice that you've seen on TikTok, Instagram, the internet as a whole. There are so many different pieces of bad advice, but they all essentially boil down to one thing. They either do, you know, one of two things. One, they tell you to put all of your money into one thing. I'm so sorry. There is not one perfect investment. Certainly not. Your money should be in a diversified portfolio of investments. So if anyone is lauding one investment is the end all be all. This will make you rich. This is amazing. Like it's a no. So, you know, I I just don't recommend putting all of your money in any one place, frankly. And then two, 
is honestly a lot of scams these days. If it sounds too good to be true, it likely is. And unfortunately, right now, especially as people are, you know, feeling their pockets tighten a little bit, they're going to feel a little bit more desperate. And a lot of these scammers are preying on that. So I just really recommend people, one, practice internet safety. Do not give away any personal information to someone you don't know. And two, you know, being skeptical. Being skeptical is a good thing. Discernment, right? Yeah. I appreciate the overarching idea of having a diversified portfolio because that could look like a lot of different things, right? It could look like like there's a lot of real estate bros who are like, take out a loan and then buy a house and then take out a, a bigger loan on or a HELOC, an equity line on that house and keep buying a house. And they want you to be overlevered. They want you to be entirely in, invested in real estate. And yeah, it's a, it's a dangerous game out there. It reminds me of this anecdote that I've heard, and I think it will help people with their discernment as well, is you should never ask a barber if you need a haircut, right? <laughs> yep. so you need to understand other people's incentives. And if they're giving you information, you need to understand how are, how are they making money off of it? Certainly. You know what I mean? Like that's a really good kind of follow the money and understand what's uh, incentivizing people. Well, I really appreciate the way that you view the world. I really appreciate the nuggets of advice that you've given us here today. But before I let you go, I want to hit you with some rapid fire questions. Cool. Let's do it. So my first, my first rapid fire question is, is there anything you've purchased that, you know, to the naked eye might seem frivolous or ridiculous, but for you, it was money that was really well spent? Yeah. When I worked on Wall Street, my first big girl purchase was a black Safiano leather Prada bag. And it was the most money I'd ever spent on anything. I think it was like $3,000 at the time. And it, one, can could seem like quite a frivolous purchase because, you know, imagine buying a luxury bag at 23, 24 and thinking that was a good purchase. But it reminded me that it was essentially a daily reminder that I earned it, that I can work hard. I can make my own money. I can buy myself this bag. I don't need to rely on anybody else. And I was able to do it with my smarts, my hard work. And I budgeted for it. I saved for it. I created a sinking fund for it. And it was a daily reminder that I could do anything as long as I had a plan and stuck to it. Beautiful. What's one piece of advice that financial or otherwise that you'd give to your younger self? Yeah, I would say you have to ask, otherwise you're not going to get. Closed mouths do not get fed. So certainly asking for a raise and a promotion every single year at work. What's the worst thing that happens? They say no. You need to be asking for more money because you are going to be performing at a level above yours. And so if you know that the rate of inflation is what? six, 7% right now, and they're giving you an inflation raise of 2%, you've made less money than you did last year. You need to be asking for a raise every single year. Do you have any tactical advice around that? I've heard someone say, keep a spreadsheet of all the projects you're working on and how that adds value to the company's bottom line. And that can be kind of your, your backup and help you make your arguments as to why you should get a raise. Do you have anything like else to add to something like that? I've got the digital version for you. So you can create a folder in your inbox called promo pitch or raise receipts or your brag book, whatever. 
And any time someone sends an email that is like, you are amazing. You saved the company. You created a million dollars in extra revenue. Anything amazing happens, just forward it to that folder. And then at your mid-year review or your end of year review, all you got to do is go into that folder and look at all the amazing things you did. And that way you actually have a quantifiable list of how you contributed and what you are worth. Beautiful. All right. Do you have any financial superstitions that you had growing up that you'd like to share with us today? (laughs) So my mom used to get on me about this all the time. I don't know about you, but like when I sit and I'm like, just like chilling and like not thinking, I might jiggle my leg a little bit. And in Chinese culture, there's a superstition that if you jiggle your leg, you're like jiggling the money out, like the wealth away. (laughs) Wow. I've never heard that one. You know, my grandmother on my father's side, her father was Chinese and she would get mad when I jiggled my leg, but she would never give me any backup, like as to why I just thought I was annoying her, but could be that. Mm -hmm, Certainly. Love it. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Last one for you. Do you have any financial fumbles that you can now look back on and laugh at? Yeah, definitely. In my early twenties, I would say I was spending money on things that I didn't care about to impress people that I didn't like. It very much was, you know, Instagramification instead of keeping up with the Joneses. Like we're now trying to keep up with the Kardashians. And so it very much felt like I needed to have this designer bracelet and this bag and go on this vacation. When in reality, maybe I didn't even want to go there, or maybe I didn't even like how that bracelet looked. So I think now at the end of my twenties, I'm very much thinking more about, does this bring me value? Does this bring me joy? And is this going to add to my life? And was it worth the amount of time I had to work to pay for it? I love that framework. Well, Viv, I got to say, you dropped some really great nuggets in this short conversation. I appreciate you coming on here, taking time out of your busy day to chat with us. Uh, Before I let you go, will you let the listeners know where to find, follow, and uh, fangirl out with you? Of course. You can find me across social media as Your Rich BFF, as well as at yourrichbff.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Viv. Of course. Thank you. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey there, kiddo. How's that new freelance gig going? Hi, Grandma. It's going great. I'm finally making money doing what I love. That's delightful to hear. But don't forget, you're now your own boss. And that means you have to save for taxes. What do you mean? Well, when you work for someone else, your employer takes care of paying taxes for you. But when you're self-employed, you have to pay your own taxes. It's called self-employment tax. I've been so excited about my new gig that I didn't even think about that. I'm glad we had a chance to talk about how important it is to set aside some money each month to cover your tax bill. That way you won't be caught off guard when tax time rolls around. Okay, I'll make sure to do that. Thanks for the advice, Grandma. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. Weird Finance. Weird Finance. Weird Finance. Weird Finance. This is Stockwatch with Paco De Leon, a former financial planner. And Amanda Holden, an ex-finance bro and current investment educator. Over the course of a year, we're going to monitor the stock portfolios of three investors. There's Hank, a terrier mix that looks honestly like a coyote, or perhaps the newest wolf of Wall Street. There's Hugo, a black and white cat living in a world full of color, but hopefully not in the red. And last, there's a human baby. Each will invest in a total of $50,000 across five different stock picks, and we're going to monitor all three portfolios. In the end, there can only be one winner of Stockwatch, and every six weeks or so, we'll update you on the competition and teach you about investing along the way. This This is Stockwatch. Stockwatch. Welcome to the first episode, the first edition of this segment called Stockwatch. I'm Paco De Leon. I'm here with Amanda Holden, a.k.a. the Dumpster Doggy. Let me, first of all, just explain what the hell we're doing during this segment. I want all of you to learn about investing via our wonderful educator, Amanda Holden. And the way that I want us all to learn about investing is by observing a stock competition. So I have assembled three investors, a dog, a cat, and a human baby. Here's how they pick their stocks. I found a website where you can randomly generate a stock just by pushing a button. So I've taken a treat and I've put it across the room. We let the animal get it and I push the button until the animal gets the treat. That's how they pick their stocks. For the baby, I had a baby take a little ball and throw it down a flight of stairs. And as soon as the ball left the baby's hand, I clicked that stock generator And when the ball stopped, that's how the baby picked the stock. 
There's also one thing I just want to clarify. We're not actually investing real dollars here. We're running a simulation. So I'm going to log in right now. We've uploaded these as of yesterday. So the competition has just started. It's $50,000. Any sort of, I try to get the numbers as close to $10,000 each if we fell short for any of the securities because sometimes you can't you know, perfectly buy $10,000 worth of stock. I just put it in cash. So a couple, you know, each portfolio has a couple bucks in cash. But as of right of this moment, the baby is in the lead. The baby has $50,840. The cat is, actually, I'm so sorry. I just gave you wrong information. The cat just pulled up in the lead. Hugo the cat is at $51,315.61. The human baby is at $50,840.64. And sadly, Henry the dog is at $49,422.95. So that's basically where we're at. Every six weeks or so, every time I have the lovely dumpster doggy Amanda Holden to come check in with us, we're going to update you on the competition. And in the meantime, what I want to do is I want to hand it over to Amanda and I want her to answer this larger question, which is, why do we need to invest? Thank you so much, Paco. Why don't we start here? So in this world, there are really two ways to make money. You can really boil it down to one of two ways. The first is through exchanging our time for money. And I'm guessing we're all pretty familiar with this methodology of making money, right? That's a paycheck. The second way is figuring out how to have our money make us money, right? Like, mama's tired. Let's get the money to do a little bit of the heavy lifting around here. And that's what investing is. And if we ever want to get to a point where we are no longer exchanging our time for money, we had better figure out a way to have our money make us money. And so we do this by buying things called assets. That's just another word for investments, which tend to increase in value over time, as opposed to something, something like your couch, which especially after the wear and tear of the pandemic, is definitely decreasing in value over time. Because most of us aren't going to invest just for funsies. We are investing to build towards financial independence. Paco, is that why you invest? Yeah, of course. I don't want to work forever. And I feel like at some point, society is going to say, you can sit down now. We don't want your opinion. Absolutely. Many of us don't want to work forever nor will we even have the option to be able to do so. And I know very much that we we don't like the word retirement, especially I think as you know millennials, but really anybody in the workforce, understandably. But I also think that most people would agree that we don't want to leave our vulnerable future selves without the resources they will need to keep the heat on and to eat delicious food or maybe even have some really wild years in in our golden age, right? Golden girls gone wild. <laughs> um, I, I very much like to think of my future self as I, I call her my bad granny because I am going to be traveling around Europe, maybe in France, eating baguettes, drinking wine with my significantly younger lover. That's my plan. You don't have to be a granny. You don't have to be bad. But we do want to get the practice of thinking about our future selves and how we are going to take care of that person. And 
I am guessing that most listeners live in the U.S. And unfortunately here, we have far too little social safety net for our elderly. And I, I really wish it weren't that way. But what that means for many of us, like you just said, Paco, is that walking away from work or leaving work requires we have enough money saved or really invested to be able to walk away from work. Retirement is not going to be served up to us on a platter at age 65. Retirement is not an age, it's an amount of money saved. And Paco, next, can we talk for a minute more specifically about what we gain from investing? Yeah, let's do it. So even the word returns, I think it helps to clarify what that means. Returns, when we're talking about returns that you get from an investment, that means your profit, your gains. And in this game, we're talking about the stock market. And by the way, the stock market is just a marketplace for stocks, which are these teeny tiny little slivers of ownership in companies. They're shares of ownership in a company. And when we take the average performance, the average profit, the average returns of all stocks, this includes the stinkers, this includes the bad years, U.S. stocks have increased in value at a rate of about 10% per year. That's the average. Now, let me shift us really quickly for a minute. Paco, financially speaking, right now, what would you say is at the top of everyone's mind? Like what's going on out there in the real world that's got everybody worried? Definitely inflation. Inflation. Things getting more expensive over time. And our recent numbers are showing that prices are increasing at a rate about 6% per year. It was even a little bit more last year. And this in general is much higher than average. The average historically is 3% per year. So things getting more expensive at a rate of about 3% per year. What this also means is any cash you hold that's not earning any rate of return is losing out by that much as well. It's losing value at a rate of about 3% per year. And so back to the investing, if you are investing and earning a 10% rate of return and inflation is at 3% or even at 6%, what's happening here? You are growing your wealth faster than inflation, above and beyond inflation right? Like you're not just keeping up, but hopefully adding real new money to your bank accounts. Now, of course, it's it's not a guarantee, especially if you're treating your investing strategy like it's a drunken stroll through the casino. But, but luckily, there are simple and strategic ways to invest in such a way that you can return, right? You can make, you can earn whatever is the average moving forward. And basically, that's what we're going to do here. Every six weeks or so, Amanda's going to come on and we're going to check in on the cat, the dog, the human baby. And Amanda's going to drop a new lesson so that we're all a little bit less scared and more excited and ready to dive in when it comes to taking our money to grow more money. So thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you for having me, Paco. Until next time, this has been Stockwatch with Paco DeLeon and Amanda Holden. If you'd like to learn more about investing, well, you're in luck. Amanda wants to show you that investing isn't just for Wall Street bros and dusty old dudes. She has a super fun and comprehensive course that's going to leave you feeling completely confident in your ability to build wealth and 
navigate this overly complicated investing world with all of its terminology. Claim your financial freedom and power. Sign up for her investment education course, Invested Development, today. Head over to amanda-holden.com and click on course, or you can just follow her on Instagram at dumpster.doggy. Send her a DM and she'll get you all set up. Of course, I'll also link to the course and everything else in the show notes. Until next time. Somehow, some way, here we are at the end of another episode of Weird Finance, which is an iHeartMedia production and just would not be possible without the help of many wonderful, caring, talented, and hardworking individuals like my producer, Ramsey Yunt. Ramsey produced, edited, he did some sound design, and even sang a little bit. Thank you to Henry Hugo and a human baby for helping us with Stockwatch, a stock competition that was featured as this week's segment. And a big, beautiful thank you to Amanda Holden for teaching us all about investing. To learn more from Amanda, check out her course, Invested Development. Thank you to my friends Camille Kane and Wisconsin John for lending their voices for this week's PSA. Our theme song was written and performed by me and my dear, dear, sweet, wonderful friends, Jenna Parker and Andrew Parker. If you have any comments, you want to ask me a question about money, you have suggestions, or if you want to be part of the show, give us a call at 833-ASK-PACO. That's 833-275-7226. Or you can send us an email at weirdfinancepod at gmail.com. All right, folks. Well, that's it. I'll catch you here next week. And in the meantime, please take care. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.